0: Welcome to this episode of By the Way. I'm Matt Rothi, pastor at The Way Church. This episode is part of a series that comes out every Wednesday in Advent. I'm joined by pastors Nate Larish and Josh Schultz, two incredible pastors who also happen to be two of my best friends. We recorded these episodes because Advent is a special time of year when Christians prepare for the coming of Christ, and there's no better way we can do that than by spending time in God's Word. So I hope you enjoy these episodes and they can be a time of spiritual reflection and devotional rejuvenation for you during your Christmas season. Hey, I'm Matt Rothie from The Way Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia.
1: I'm Josh Schultz, pastor at the uh, Mountain View Lutheran Church in Great Falls, Montana.
2: And I'm Nathan Larch, pastor at Illumin Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And I just want to we talked about this before we went on air. I just got to throw a disclaimer out today, a little distracted because it's seemed all day. It's 1.15 in the afternoon, seemed all day like my wife is uh, going into the labor and going into labor and we're headed to the hospital any moment. <laughs> I can't even talk, but uh, that's, that's, that's about how today's gone, but I'm excited to talk with you guys.
1: I think when you're in the moment, a distraction would be good when you're sitting around and waiting. Right.
2: I don't even know.
1: You know, it's funny. I, uh, our second Bryn, I was about to do church. This is back in February and I go back home and I'm like, Rachel, Rachel isn't over at church yet. What's going on? So I go over there and it's 10 minutes before church live right next door. She stopped cause she's trying to wrangle our first daughter who was like a year, year and a half at the time. And Rachel just went into labor and I'm like, Oh no. And so we had like this. I wasn't saying, oh, no, we were excited, but the question was, do I do church? And it's like, we had like five minutes of us looking at each other being like, do I do church or don't I? Because she knew she wasn't going to the hospital right away, but she could go to the hospital right away if it it goes fast, uh, real quick. And so we brought somebody over and I ended up doing church. And so if you want to talk about being a little distracted, try... Preaching a sermon when you know your wife is right next door and you don't know if she's in the hospital or not, but I knew she would. I knew she would uh, text me. I had my phone on me right there uh, on the lectern the whole time in case I needed to tell everybody, "See so, yeah, It turned out good. It turned out good. Living life on the edge, Nathan. We're glad you're here,
0: and definitely prayers with your wife as she goes into labor. God's blessings on that, and we'll be thinking about you and praying for you and your wife and your new baby especially with all this baby talk it's probably good to talk about Je- the baby Jesus being born you guys want to you guys want to get into Isaiah we're talking today about Isaiah chapter 11 Josh you want to read that for us
1: all right we got verses 1 through 10 today so Isaiah writes a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse from his roots a branch will bear fruit The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. This is God's word. So as we, uh, as we talk about this, it's good, as we've given before, a little historical context of who Isaiah is and who is he writing to. He's a prophet in the Old Testament about 700 years before uh, Christ came, and he's speaking to a group of people who, uh, whose world is about to get turned upside down with uh, the Babylonian Empire coming in, invading Uh, But if you look even back farther than that, uh, we look at the family line and dynasty of the most famous king and one of the most famous people in the Old Testament, King David. He had this long family line over 400 years ruling in Jerusalem, but they turned away from the Lord. They turned God's people away from the Lord, and this coming punishment was a punishment for that, for the sins of the previous kings. And now, uh, Isaiah writes in verse one that a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. So what God is saying is that David's family line, this dynasty, is going to fall, cut off the throne. Uh, but one of David's descendants, who we know would be Jesus, uh, he would sit on David's throne forever. And there we're talking uh, in a heavenly sense, as Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So in in The gist of it is that Isaiah is prophesying that uh, a better hope, a better king, uh, a better savior is going to come and redeem them from these things, not only of this world, but of their sins. And he's going to be this shoot that comes up from the stump of Jesse. So this is all uh, prophesying about who Jesus would be, what he would do, and what it would mean for us. Thanks for that background, Josh. And
2: then it goes right into verse two talking about the spirit of the lord resting on jesus and then there's all these spirit of this and of that you want to talk a little bit about why these specific traits are told about jesus
1: you know when you look at it i don't know if it's really important to focus on like why these specific things um but maybe just in general that he's going to have these divine gifts because the spirit of the lord will rest on him and we know that and it's kind of interesting because we know that he's the Son of God, and He has these, but yet it says that they'll be given to Him as well as the Spirit of the Lord rests on Him. I really want to talk about uh, we talk about three B through five, and you know what that means for us here and now, because we know Jesus fulfills this in a variety of ways. But you know how how does that impact us, and how do we view that in our life? Yeah, because that's a really unique thing
0: about the rest of this text is just so much goodness so much gospel being proclaimed Uh, first of all about who jesus is what he does and then you mentioned verses three through following the way he just is towards us and then what what that means for us that you you were going to say what you said about those
2: as humans we see we see what's in front of us and we hear things and so we make judgments based on what we see and hear and that's not that's not a bad thing but it's so easy to be under the illusion that I can see what is reality. Um, and I can't not ever. Cause even when I'm seeing something in the, in the most clear way, or I think that I'm seeing the whole picture, I'm not cause I'm not God. And there's so many things in life that I can't see. I can't see into what someone else is thinking. I can't see what people are doing, except what I see them doing. And that's not even close to the whole picture it's easy to think that I know what's best, um, but it's so important to remember that God is God and I am not. And then it's also super comforting because there is, Josh, you said this whole section is about Jesus and Jesus is the one who sees everything and hears everything, um, sees the whole picture, hears the whole picture and makes perfect decisions. And then, Jumping down to verse five, the fact that faithfulness is what he is. And it says faithfulness is the sash around his waist. You couple that together, very comforting for me, someone who can't see clearly, no matter how hard I try.
0: I'm really glad you brought that up. You know, the idea of like not seeing, you know, maybe what God has in mind or what his plans are, and that God is God and I'm not, because I think that's maybe a question that someone, you know, approaching this text would walk away from. They, they hear about, you know, the Lord being faithful, they hear about God judging us according to his righteousness, giving us his righteousness. Verses six through nine, when you get all of these kind of like animal pictures, you know, it's talking about God's kingdom that he establishes, that the son of David, who is the son of God, establishes this kingdom ruled by the gospel that is not of this world, that is in no way according to this world, but is in every way a restoration of all things. Uh, It is a kingdom of peace. And someone might stop and go, yeah, that sounds great. But that's not my experience. That's not what I am going through maybe this time of year, this year 2020. um, There's just so much uh, that I'm not hearing. Yes, I see the gospel, but that is not my experience. What do you say to someone like that?
2: I think it's really easy for us as pastors and Christians to simply jump to eternity and heaven and say, yeah, someday this will all be perfect and it, it all is fulfilled in heaven. It's easy to just jump there and talk about that. But there's another side of it that we kind of have to be content that this is going to be really difficult throughout life. And when someone is in, and you know, we all know people who have been through unspeakably bad and painful things. And the hard fact is there's no promise for relief from each of those specific circumstances in this life. Um, I was talking with a guy last week and he was super optimistic and I was that made me happy. But he, he thought he was going through rough times right now and he said, yeah, but it's going to get better. It's going to get better tomorrow, next week. And eventually I had to tell him, I love your optimism, but God does not have a specific promise about that um and then he got angry and basically left and stopped talking with me but the promise is the promise is for heaven but that has it has a real effect on how we view our lives and our circumstances even right now
0: i think that's a really good point and uh you know, maybe why God talks so clearly about that. We might not want to hear it, but he does say, Hey, in this world, you're, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome this world. And this is why our God, whether it's in the old Testament or the new Testament doesn't talk about anything else in the Bible except what we have in his son. Um, We might think that the Bible is about uh, plans God has for us. We might think that it is about the purpose God has for us. But the reality is the Bible is not about us. The Bible is about Christ. It is about, yes, the plans that God has for us, but plans that are based on the work of Christ. Yes, it is about the purpose that God has for us. But the purpose is to glorify Christ with our lives. It is not about us. And and I say that not not to like deflate anybody who you know is looking uh, for God to say something and speak into their life, but He does. He always does it. He does it through His Son, and that's what you have here in Isaiah. You have God just bursting forth like a proud father, saying, "This is my boy. Let me tell you about him. This is who he is. This is what he does. And this is what it means for you." And there are moments, uh, whether you're going through a hard hard time uh, in life, uh, like your friend you know, he was talking, like you were talking to Nathan, or, you know, it's just on any, any day you're busy, you're overwhelmed. And, you know, we forget, we forget what it's all about. We forget the voice of our God. And, and I think if anything, that's an encouragement to, you know, be still and, and listen to his word. Cause there again, he, he talks about Jesus, 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 Jesus. And that's the hope and comfort and that it, and, the temptation, you know, that I started this question out with is what do you say to someone who says, you know, oh, that's, that's all fine and well that God talks about the faithfulness, but that's not my experience. It's not being dismissive to say, hey, you know, your experience, your, your expectations, you know, might, you know, be difficult, but the reality is here is Christ. Here, here is something true and solid that you do have and to keep going back to that.
1: I think, like, every time we, I mean, just you can say this about any section of the Bible, especially one like this that has so many amazing gospel truths in it and promises. You know, God again is having us look at the brokenness of the world we live in, and when it impacts our life so directly, like this person that we're discussing what is God doing again and again and again in scripture? He's giving us an eternal perspective and that eternal perspective is not just saying, Oh, just wait. Everything else is going to be okay in the future. That That's a promise and a hope that He gives us, but it's just like we are living with eternal blessings here and now that we can hold on to and cherish that, when we prioritize them of our eternal troubles that are taken away and our earthly troubles that we are waiting to see what God does with them when we prioritize them in that way. And we view it through the lens of eternity. I, I know for me and for, you know, for you that that has a huge impact of how we view those earthly troubles. Um, knowing that if God kept his promise for me in eternity and for eternity, he's the one I can go to for help to care and provide and protect me for things here in this life.
0: And yeah, I'm glad you said that. Cause like, let's not forget that it, you know, God does very much care about his people and care for them. You asked Nate before about, you know, verse, verse two, can I share with you my probably favorite takeaway from that? The favorite coupling of, you know, the spirit of Lord being on God's son and, and what that means. It comes when it says the spirit of counsel and might. That's just such a unique, you know, duo there, that they there's this idea of counsel mixed with might, guidance mixed with power, wisdom and understanding mixed with strength. And who is God's son? He he's not just some guru or teacher or like wise philosopher that gives these right words, these right ideas, but he's actually the one who gives you something mixed with that. He, he gives you his strength, he gives you his power, he gives you his might. And that is all Christ acting for you on your behalf, that he not only knows what's good and well for you in your life in eternity, but he also carries it out in eternity. He's already done that. How much more will he also do it You know, with the 80 years we have on this earth?
1: Let's talk about six through nine you know figurative language actual fulfillment when is it fulfilled you know how does this impact us here and now how do you guys look at those verses or let me ask you this what it, what are your what's your favorite lines and language in those verses
2: i love uh, verse 8 the young child putting its hand into the viper's nest which is something you should never ever do we don't even know what vipers well, we know what vipers are but we don't have any practical experience with them like would you ever we all have young children but no matter what age of person it is like think of a wasp's nest maybe would you ever go and tell your young mm-hmm. kid to go put their hand like even near a wa- like don't even walk within 40 feet of it that's why you get those spray foam things and spray it from as far away as you can and yet here The peace is such that a young child will literally put its hand into a venomous, deadly snake's nest, which would in normal circumstances get the child killed, or
1: any person pretty much. But in this case, no. And is this like is that promise in these verses specifically just for like that child? No, it's like it's for, for us who have young children, those parents who knows what it's like, you know, to worry about children. And to worry about them being in danger that this is another promise or God says there will. And as we look at these speaking about our time in heaven and the fulfillment of it, it's like, there's not going to be any worry. There's not going to be any tension. There's not going to be any hardship. There's not going to be any violence. And that's such, I mean, emotionally and mentally in this life, that is an experience we it's hard for us to even imagine and fathom because we just we live with that with that fear, with that tension, with you know, throughout our life. That's a reality.
2: I had a lady ask a really great question. Do these verses refer to the peace brought during the during the new earth? And we've alluded to this a number of times, like after Jesus comes back at the end of time. Is that what this is talking about? And we've said Yes, that's the primary fulfillment. Um, And Josh, you were just talking about there being no tension. And we see that, especially in verses six through nine. And yeah, at that time, there will be no tension anywhere, complete lack of tension. But there is a fulfillment for us right now in the fact that right now between us as Christians and God, there is no tension between us and God. There's tension all around us in the world. There's tension in our lives and the relationships that we have with family, with friends, even the people that we love most dearly, there's tension everywhere. But between us and God right now at this very minute, not just off in the future somewhere or for eternity, but right now there is no tension between us and God. And so this does refer to the peace of eternity in heaven, but it also refers to the peace that we have right at this very minute, the lack of tension between us and God? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's so much that that question
0: hits on with the theme and the season of Advent too, because we've said it before, but it's worth noting again, when we talk about Advent, what we're talking about is a season of anticipation, a season that looks forward to the comings, plural, of Christ. Yes, his coming as a baby born in Bethlehem. Yes, as you just mentioned, uh, his coming again uh, to take us to be with heaven, but also his coming now, still into our hearts, into our lives through his word and sacrament. Um, those three things are important to mention. So, as we look at, okay, how is this filled? It's filled when Christ comes. When? When he comes in all of those ways. And Josh gave us a nice introduction uh, to the historical context of this. Um, talked about Jesus being the fulfillment of God's promise to David that a son of David would sit on his throne forever he would establish a kingdom that endures forever what is God's kingdom like well it's a kingdom not of this world it's a kingdom that is found wherever his gospel is proclaimed and that is what we're getting at here it is it is getting at God's gospel proclamation establishing his kingdom and there in that knowing All of the peace uh, that God gives, all of the end of hostility, all of the end of violence, death, things that are scary, things that are unsafe. uh, You have that in the kingdom of God. So when does this take place? Yes, all of those.
1: And then we look at verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples and nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. You know that for us Christians, and for anybody who who hears that gospel and comes to know and believe Jesus as their Savior, this is what He gives. We talk to that person of, "Hey, a question before who says these are all wonderful things, but that's not my experience." Well, this is finally in in this life what He wants to give you. He wants to give you rest from all the troubles, all the brokenness that are happening in your life. He wants to give you rest, bringing you to himself. He talks about being that banner, gathering people to himself by faith. He gives us rest, knowing that our sins are forgiven, that our guilt is gone, that heaven is ours, that we don't have to be afraid to die because of Easter Sunday, that his righteousness is ours, and we can go on and on and on of all these gospel promises. This just what it means for us, what does this look like in life? It gives us rest, you know, for our heart, for our mind, for our soul.
0: Josh, you had a really neat picture of describing uh, verse 10, like on the field of battle. You want to unpack that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, when I looked at this, he'll because I looked at it from the perspective of the king who had come in fulfillment of that promise that God gave to his ancestor David and David being this mighty warrior, you're not only with Goliath, but then throughout his life, but he'll stand, it says the of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. Well, I thought of the battlefield in that, you know, just the chaos of masses of humanity smashing up against each other in hand-to-hand combat with swords and spears and arrows and shields. And a banner was used to, you know, that to rally troops who had been separated from their group and rally them to their comrades, their countrymen, and that would give them a place of rest that they wouldn't have to fight on their own, that they would, if they were wounded, they could have a place of rest being protected. And it's beautiful where he says, the root of Jesse talking about Jesus, he won't hold a banner, but he will stand as a banner. That means we are gathered not to Jesus projecting something else but jesus just showing us himself and we're gathered we're rallied to him and we have that place of rest where we don't have to fight on our own because jesus fought the battle for us and he keeps fighting the battles for us against the devil against you know protecting us from temptation protecting us from you know falling away and we have this rest underneath the banner of jesus and you know what an amazing thing to have
0: I just thought that was such a cool picture as I was listening to you unpack it a little more. I just thought about, you know, myself, my friends, my church, my community here. I think the the temptation often is for us to get lost in our own battles that we're fighting. And because you know, here's a secret for any listeners, everyone has them. Everyone is fighting. A battle in their own life against sin, you know, against, you know, different struggles that, uh, you know, living in a sinful world results for us, right? And so the temptation during a time of year like this, during a year like we're having like this, is we kind of get caught up in whatever is right in front of us with with our own battle. And, you know, Scripture is very clear about how we are fighting a battle not against flesh and blood, but it is against evil forces that want to take you away from Christ but can't, and yet you're faced with that all the time. How cool a reminder that you know, we're like caught up in all of this, that there's a rallying cry. It is the root of Jesse standing as a banner saying, come here, come here, come here, come here, rally to me. I'm gonna give you rest, like seek after me and here you're gonna find it rest and it's gonna be glorious. And so if that's any encouragement to you know all of us, to our listeners, wherever you're at right now, whatever you're experiencing today, this season, this year, Let's rally. Let's rally together underneath this banner that is Jesus, that is his message of of peace, that is his message of rest in him, forgiveness of sins, that he judges not according to things that we have done or have not done, but he judges according to his righteousness and faithfulness. It is completely unexpected, but that's how he gives
2: his gifts to you. Josh, I got to react to to the way that you laid that out too. It was, uh, thanks for preaching to me. I've never fought an actual battle, but, and like both of you just said, it feels like we're just fighting all the time in our own little worlds. And, uh, we've all competed in sports and sometimes you can make analogies between sports and battles. But Josh, you said, uh, when you go to the banner, you, you have rest, you can stop fighting, Cause there's another person fighting for you, uh, fighting with you and, uh, the feeling of being exhausted and feeling like you can't do it anymore. And then realizing you don't have to do it all yourself because, and, and you can't, but that Jesus is your banner fighting for you. Thanks for laying that out the way you did. It meant a lot to me.
1: I just think a lot of people, um, I think there's this misconception about Christianity that it's this you know set of rules and a guideline to follow that it's going to restrict you and make you fight harder you know against this or that in your life and as Christians what a joy is it to welcome people and invite people as we like this Christmas season holding like a church service or just having a Bible study or just talking to somebody about Jesus it's our privilege to raise that banner and invite people not to do more work because Jesus did it for us, but to say, Hey, I have rest and I want you to have that same rest too, because this is what this thing called Christianity. This is who this person, Jesus is all about. It's it's about giving you rest and God promises it.
2: Thanks, Josh. That is a great last word. Um, Matt, can you close us with prayer?
0: Yeah, let's do that. We pray, Lord God, you have uh, blessed us with your word as a light for our life. Uh, Lord, help us to put our hope in you as we wait for your coming, both here at Christmas as we celebrate that, both when you come back to take us to be with you forever, and also as you come to us through your word. Lord, we wait for you. Our whole being waits for you, and Lord, we ask, Lord, that you, by your spirit, Help us to place our hope in you always, not in ourselves. Lord God, there are people uh, in our hearts, in our lives right now, ourselves as well, who are fighting battles, uh, battles of many different kinds, but battles that are all the same. They're spiritual battles against sin, against uh, all the temptations of living in a sinful world. And so, Lord, we ask that you fight for us because we're too weak in ourselves to stand up and, and fight these battles that you give us strength by your spirit. And we praise you, God, that you are that. You are a spirit of might and of counsel. You Not only say encouraging things to us, but you do wonderful things for us. Lord God, for this we are thankful. I'm thankful for these men here who have encouraged me by your word, and I'm thankful for their ministries that they have. Lord, bless uh, them and all their uh, members of their faith family, our brothers and sisters in Christ during this Advent season, and bless our Christmas celebration as we look forward to that too. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.